State of Digital Publishing is a publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this second season episode, we speak with Corel Cooper, Senior Vice President of Global Marketing at Live Intent, about email advertising. Corel currently leads the marketing team and works closely with sales, product, engineering, and customer success to create awareness and generate leads for key products and features. Let's begin. Hi, Corel. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm not too bad, thanks. Whereabouts are you today? I am in Lower Manhattan <laughs> on a, uh, let's see, I don't think it's sunny, but it's it's not raining. So uh, a partially cloudy day uh, in the city, looking forward to the springtime weather, which is hopefully right around the corner. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm, I'm in Sydney, Australia, and it's, it's autumn here, so I know it's been a bit crazy with the weather in the U.S. the past year with the blizzards and everything. So I'm sure you're looking forward to the spring, as you mentioned. So, yeah. So, Corel, um, th- thanks for joining us. And uh, you, you, I know that you're the SVP for Live Intense, but just for those people who don't know much about you, if you can just provide a bit of an introduction, that'd be awesome. Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, hi, everyone. My name is uh, Corel Cooper, Senior Vice President of Global Marketing at Live Intent. From a professional perspective, I've been in the ad tech, martech space for about 20 years now. Mainly grew up in the industry uh, on the publisher side of our of our industry. You know, most notably, I spent close to eight years at Advanced Digital, which is a, a local news publisher, uh, running ad operations uh, and platform strategies there. Uh, helped them uh, launch their first data management platform and, and audience targeting uh, capabilities so that we can then in turn uh, provide our, our advertisers and our customers with, with, deeper, with deeper insights. Uh, was a former client of Live Intent, actually signed a deal with Live Intent. And after uh, a couple of years of being a, a client of Live Intent, I joined the company in uh, 2014, November of 2014. My four and a half years here at Live Intent, I've held uh, a number of different positions. I've led the account management team, so got a good sense of being uh, client-facing and working closely with our, our, our publishers and our advertisers. Uh, I've also led the, the product marketing team here, focusing on our, our positioning and messaging uh, for close to a year and a half. And for the last six months or so, uh, I've been leading uh, all of marketing here at Live Intent, which... Uh, includes product marketing, public relations, uh, events, uh, our paid media, as well as as our as our branding. So, what made you move away from publishing and to the ad tech, martech side? Yeah, um, honestly, I got to a point in my career where I really wanted to try something uh, different and new. Uh, you know, I, I just got to that point where. Uh, if I didn't make the jump at some point to to something different, uh, I was going to wake up, uh, you know, 10, 15 years from that point in time and regret uh, not doing something, not doing something different. And, you know, with respect to um, coming to live intent, I felt that uh, with my publisher background and understanding uh, our publishers, uh, some of the challenges that publishers face in the marketplace I felt very strongly that I could then uh, come to a place like Live Intent and really help the publishers 
uh, solve their, their challenges. Do you see that shift happening more so recently with, you know, the state of play at the moment? Or do you yeah, think- you know, yeah. I, I do. I, I, in terms of, of people on the publisher side uh, moving over to the, let's just call it, uh, tech side? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I do. I, I actually saw that uh, a lot right around the time uh, when I was doing it as well, too, where, you know, folks who grew up uh, with publishers and really understood them could then take that experience and knowledge uh, and really help out the, the folks that they that they really uh, know and love in this space, uh, which is the publisher. So, yeah, I do. I do. I did see that a lot as I was making the, the shift. And how do you in the past, because there's been a bit of an explosion with MarTech as well. Do you think, I know we can't quantify, but how big of a role do you think that's sort of played? Or do you think that there's other other trends as well impacting the role of ad, ad operations and MarTech to sort of grow as it has in the past few years? Yeah, so, you know, what's interesting is I recently wrote a piece about sort of the foundation that you can build by by starting out your career in, in, in ad operations, specifically at, at publishers, right? Because, you know, it, it's a position where you get to see really all sides of the business, right? Uh, from a publisher perspective, the product side, uh, content, marketing, sales, uh, the goals that customers are, are trying to achieve. And then on top of that, because you're in operations, uh, you really get to learn the the technical aspects of our of our industry by working in so many different uh, platforms, whether they're ad servers or SSPs or DSPs or or even uh, DMPs. So you know that knowledge and foundation that one can build working at a publisher, specifically in ad operations, really can help you take your career uh, in a number of different directions. And you know, with the with the focus today. Uh, in our space on the on the Martech side, and and I see this more and more as I as I talk to our our publishers these days, you know that foundation of anyone that's come up on the ad tech side that can then really understand data and helping customers achieve their goals is uh, really powerful when you mix that with with the trend of Martech these days. Makes sense. So let's jump straight into the practical stuff, Carol. I love speaking about the nitty gritty. So you said that you're speaking a lot with the clients, with uh, publisher clients these days. What is the state of email advertising? Because with with live and what they do and newsletter advertising, what have you seen publishers been focusing on lately? And um, we'll we'll speak about social a bit more later. But what what have you been speaking with the clients about lately, or your team's been speaking about with the clients lately? Yeah. So, you know, what's what's interesting there is uh, when Live Intent first started the business 10 years ago and our our 10 year anniversary is actually next month. The main problem that we were solving at the time was the ability to deliver ads uh, within email newsletters because there had there hadn't been a solve for that. There hadn't been a effective and efficient way to do that. And, And Live Intent uh, was able to to, to bring that um, to the table. And what that has sort of grown into for us uh, over the last 10 years is really this um, sort of ecosystem within the inbox where we're not only helping uh, our, our publishers sell their inventory, monetize their inventory, acquire more users, but we're also helping uh, marketers as well uh, sell product and understand their their audience better. 
But from a from a publisher perspective, going back to them for a second, you know what's what's happening now at publishers is is we normally uh, again our business has normally been with sort of the operations and the the uh, programmatic side of the house of publishers. But now what's happening is because publishers are um, sort of waking up to the fact that they need to control their own destiny more and can take uh, over more control of their content, understand their audience better. Publishers, the marketing side of the house is now coming to us and asking us for help in uh, not only acquiring and growing uh, their audience, but better understanding of who their audience is. So that, that's been an interesting play that we've seen uh, recently with, with our, our publishers, not only the, the, let's call it the revenue side of the house, uh, but also now the marketers coming to us and, and asking us for, for help. Is that more newsletter subs or, or the uh, subscription revenue? Because obviously, you, you, as, you, as we know, this year has been a big jump in membership and subscription related content, what have you seen more of the, the focus on? It's been, uh, it's been a, a focus more on uh, growing, uh, growing subscribers and, and, and growing audience, right? And I think, and I know you wanted to sort of touch on the, the social aspect of it, right? But if you think about publishers and their role with social media over the years, right? Publishers have unfortunately have given away a lot to social channels, right? They've given away their content and in a sense, they've given away uh, their audience, right? And if I think about my own sort of personal habits on social media, when I log into a platform like Facebook, I'm, I'm just what I said, I'm logged in, right? If I see a piece of content from a publisher that I may like, yes, I may click on the link and go read the article, but then all my activity, uh, my comments, or whether I share that content, it's all going to happen on the social platform and not the, the, the publisher's platform, right? And so when you think about that, from a social perspective, you're always going to be logged in, whereas publishers, they've, they've traditionally have had uh, issues with people logging into their site. So their, their login rate uh, is, is pretty low. And so what you see now is, uh, again, from a, from a marketing perspective at publishers, the people that are responsible for growth, the people that are responsible for understanding audience, the people that are responsible for content are saying, hey, wait a minute, if we are going to survive and not only survive, but grow, we need to do a better job of not only understanding who our, our customers are that are coming to our website, but we do need to build audience as opposed to building traffic. Absolutely. So what are some of the areas that I, I know we've spoken about the areas, but just more down to a, detail, a bit more detail, you know, obviously publishers are just slapping on banners and hoping for the best. What are some of the creative ways or approaches they're taking in order to achieve those goals in increasing subscribers? Yeah. So um, again, if you, if you go back to um, our, the ecosystem that Live Intent has created, uh, within um, the email space, right? We work with uh, over 2,500 uh, publishers to uh, help them acquire, retain, and, and monetize their audience, right? Those, those 2,500 publishers that we work with actually generate over 250 million uniques for us on a monthly basis, right? And when you think about, and when you think about email, 
Uh, a unique user for us is an email open, not a cookie, right? So you're, you're within an environment that is highly engaged, right? Uh, you're in an environment where people spend a lot of time. People are spending over, you know, five hours a day in email. And so it's a place where uh, marketers want to be because it's where their audience is, right? And it's where their audience is highly engaged. So what we're starting to see now, again, is more and more of our, our publishers are taking on the role of our traditional marketers who have had products to sell in the past, right? By running campaigns across our platform, you see more and more publishers now wanting to do uh, email acquisition campaigns, wanting to uh, uh, understand sort of, you know, how their audience is interacting with content on site and then retargeting those users when they're when they're in our uh, in our environment. So it's it's uh, acquiring new users. It's figuring out ways to retain those customers. And also it's it's the monetization, because let's not forget, like there's there's there's, you know, a couple of things that are very important to our, our publishers. It's growing their audience and it's monetizing uh, the audience that they have. What's what's your opinion on um, paid newsletters versus just free newsletters? And and have you seen clients? Work, do you have clients that are on looking at both? And do you have any examples of clients on both sides? Uh, from a from a newsletter perspective, no. From from what I understand, uh, really all of our clients, their newsletters are are free. I don't, I don't know of any clients that we work with today who are charging their customers uh, to pay for uh, newsletter content. Now, with that said, uh, the content in newsletters may be free, but once you get back to a publisher's website, uh, some of our publishers do have a paid model where maybe they allow you to look at, you know, a handful of pieces of content before they ask you to either subscribe or, or pay to see more content. But, you know, when you, when you think about that, right, the newsletters then become... A, a marketing tool for uh, for our publishers to then um, get consumers back to their website, uh, get them more engaged on the site, uh, and to potentially get them to log in. And again, that that's a vehicle that uh, our publishers are using um, to create audience versus traffic. Absolutely, Coral. Let's take one step back. Um, there might be people out there, publishers out there, where they need that education piece. They need to sort of look at, to say, okay, I'm, I'm at that phase where I know that I need to look at my email publishing efforts or email advertising and, and improve that. What's, what's the common knowledge gaps do you see that when they understand that knowledge gap and say, okay, now I know how to more actively look at you know, acquisition versus retention and all those stages to be able to push content to, to the audience and actually work towards building content, uh, uh, sorry, working towards building their subscriber list and, and marketing towards them more effectively. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first step, honestly, is is making an effort to do so, right? I think, I think over the years, um, what we've seen with the with the growth and popularity that social has, with the growth and popularity that things like video have and mobile apps, I think I think publishers have somewhat forgotten about the email channel uh, and haven't put the focus uh, on email that uh, has been needed. 
right? But again, when you go back to thinking about who your audience is and where your most valuable subscriber is and most engaged reader, it's going to be the email channel because those are the folks that have gone to your website. They have uh, signed up uh, for a newsletter. They've given you uh, the most personal piece of information, digital information that uh, they have, which is an email address. And they've told you to send them content in what I think is the most intimate place you can be on the web, which is uh, a user's uh, email inbox, right? And so when when a when a user when a, a person has taken those steps and have told you to send them content and then decide that they're going to open that, they're going to be super engaged there, right? And and again, when you think about uh, sort of growing your audience, understanding of who your most valuable uh, customers are, and even trying to map out what a lifetime value of a customer is. I think it starts with email. I think it starts with the email address. Yeah, it's really flagging the importance of being uh, them clients giving, uh, sorry, your audience giving you permission to send them information and that attribution, being able to track them more clearly is, is probably the case where, and the knowledge, understanding where publishers might start to make more of an effort, I guess. That's what I took out from what you said. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 if and if we go back to the comment I made earlier about being you know 100% logged in on on Facebook, right, and that not really being uh, where the publisher sort of uh, has control or or owns that conversation. But if you think about email, right, that gives the publisher back control because email, uh, just like Facebook and other social channels, is 100% logged in, right? Is you know. Um, highly engaged. And, and again, it's where people are spending uh, a good portion of their day, you know, five plus hours a day are spent uh, in email. And now obviously that's a combination of work uh, and personal, but uh, it is, it is where uh, from a publisher perspective, where your audience is and where you can engage them the most and, and where you can take back some of that control that you've lost over the years. Absolutely. So I know, I know with all, particularly with last year, there, there has been much of a, how can I say, a much of a, um, not as much of importance on, on social, but we sort of see sometimes where people are sort of trying to move away from it, but then there's no media chatter or discussion around that face uh, about that topic or like Facebook, then they might come back to it again. Have you seen any publishers sort of start with you guys a bit and then go back, pivot back towards social or what do you see or have you have you seen the role of social and that um, where it's been used for audience development change or what have you seen the role of social now given the the recent occurrences? With, particularly with Facebook? Yeah, so I, I think from, um, again, from a, a publisher perspective, once we, once we uh, usually get um, uh, a publisher to sign up with us and engage with us, they understand, at that point, they understand the value of, of working with us. And, you know, from, from our perspective, one of the things that, you know, we, we look at and we try to do, which is different from, you know, Facebook and some of the other wall gardens out there is we try to help our publishers understand more about uh, their audience, right? And so, you know, as publishers or advertisers run campaigns with us, you know, we are, we are giving that information back to them because it's theirs, right? 
again, like I said before, we work with over 2,500 publishers generating, you know, 250 million uniques on a monthly basis. That's not our data. That's our publisher's data. So we don't we don't hold on to it. What we try to do is we try to help them better understand who their most engaged users are so they could, uh, again, further the conversation with them, uh, be better at monetizing their audience or acquiring uh, more users. And, you know, to give you a sense of that, right? So uh, we work with uh, a local news publisher here in the States called uh, Patch, right? Uh, Patch has been a client of ours that we've been working with for uh, some time now. And over the last year or so, we've helped them uh, better understand their audience. We've helped them, we've helped them sort of optimize their templates, their email templates, the best for you know, um, showing their content as well as advertising messages. And we also help them implement uh, ads.txt, which is a, a, a way of uh, verifying that it's actually patched that's selling that content and not uh, some third party that doesn't have the right to do that. And over the last year, you know, patches, uh, ECPMs have gone up uh, by 27% and overall revenue year over year has gone up by, by 40%. And this is a case study that's available on our, on our website. And similar to with a, a company called Horoscope as well, too, uh, it helped them increase their um, CPMs by 44% and, and revenue by 55% over a, a six-month period. So, again, it's not only helping our customers grow their audience and acquire new users, but uh, a key piece of this for publishers is the monetization end of it. And we are uh, really set up to help them do that as well, too. Yeah, I could see Patches case study on the website, and it says how you really help them reorganize a tax a newsletter taxonomy, which I'm, I guess you, you're referring to improving their content structure. So what does that entail? Just, just so we can go through some, through some practical things that listeners can take away with this, this, like you mentioned, this is really around improving the CPMs and just the quality of um, inventory for the emails. So what, you know, one of the things you mentioned was implementing as TXT. What, what, what about how, how does reorganizing the newsletter taxonomy? It's helped them with their content recommendations, but how have you guys gone and done that to help that outcome with the CPM? Yeah, yeah, sure. So when we when we work with a publisher, what we what we try to understand is uh, is a is a few things. One, uh, how many different uh, newsletters are they sending out, right? And the sort of content behind uh, those those newsletters. We want to also uh, understand from our publishers just how much content is in the newsletter, right? Because uh, a shorter content uh, probably means that we want to put less ad positions in the newsletter versus uh, a, a longer uh, newsletter that has a lot more content, right? So we help them, uh, we, they help us understand their structure. And then based on that, we give them, we give our publishers recommendations as to where to not only where to place ads throughout their newsletters, but how many uh, ads they should add positions they should have in their newsletters. On top of that, uh, we recently uh, released a new uh, dynamic ad slot uh, for ads. So previously, our ad positions were static, meaning if you wanted to deliver a 300 by 250, that was the only size you could deliver. If you wanted to deliver, you know, a 970 by 250, that was the only size that you can deliver. 
But now what we have the ability to do is we have the ability to serve uh, any size in a particular uh, position. Uh, and it's all based on the sort of layout of your template. So, you know, uh, in the case of patch, they could choose to deliver multiple sizes in one um, ad slot. And what that does is on the buy side now, that increases uh, what we call bid density, right? So that increases uh, the number of advertisers that want to bid on that position. We will, we will always help Patch deliver the best ad to that position, but because there's a higher level of bid density, now uh, the price for that position goes up because the demand has risen, right? So we help, we help our customers understand the optimal number of ad slots to put in a template. And then with the dynamic ad delivery, we now can help them increase the demand uh, for that template. And if uh, a customer like Patch that is selling some of their inventory, plus uh, we're bringing in the programmatic demand in a dynamic ad slot, that's all going to help increase. Uh, that's all going to help increase uh, the demand for that for that position. And then again, ads.txt, like I said, is a way of sort of verifying uh, that, that that ad slot uh, is owned by Patch and is being sold by Patch. Uh, and as I, I believe you know, right, most uh, buyers today are buying based on ads.txt. And we are the first and only company that's been able to bring uh, something like ads.txt to the inbox, which we're very proud of. That's really awesome. Thank you for going through that. I think that makes it a lot more clearer some of the things that our audience can take away in trying out. With email advertising, how, what's, in, the, in terms of developing the ecosystem, and in terms of developing a network, what are, what are some people, things that publishers should look out there when they need to consider that um, when working with a with a Martech partner like yourselves? And um, do, is there any partnerships? Is is there a partnership aspect as well that that publishers can leverage as well in email advertising? And if so, how they, how can they do that? Yeah. So when when working with Live Intent, um, I think it's important for publishers to look at the types of content they're they're sending out, how big their subscriber list is. Uh, I think it's also important for publishers to look at uh, the types of goals that they want to achieve, whether that's from a revenue perspective or whether that's from an audience development uh, and and growth perspective. And think of of like I said earlier, you know, how can email uh, be leveraged not only to uh, promote content. Uh, but also to grow revenue uh, and also to better understand uh, your audience and your and your customer. Again, um, you know, I, I, I strongly feel that the email address uh, is the best uh, identifier of a user from a digital perspective. And I think it can be that key to, uh, again, growing revenue, understanding your audience and really getting to a point where uh, where publishers can understand the the, the value of a subscriber and a user. Absolutely. What are what are some of the tech trends you are you currently seeing, and what would be the, some of the tech considerations you'd love to in a blue sky world? What would you want to consider in terms of new tech that would help improve the quality and outcomes for publishers? Yeah. So um, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing uh, a lot more talk about uh, personalization in the inbox. I, I, I think that that will uh, continue to get better uh, and improve, especially as publishers understand 
uh, more about their their subscribers. Um, I'm hearing but obviously more- away from but obviously away from using merge tags and everything else, right? What what do you define as personalization? Uh, recommendations, uh, content recommendations, uh, and product recommendations, uh, I think is, is, is something that, um, more clients are coming to us for now at live intent and, and asking us to, to, to help them solve. Uh, so I think that's, that's important. I, I think that there will be a trend around, uh, a lot more automation of email sends, uh, in the future. So when you think about, you know, if, if someone's on the website and they take an action and then to be able to to, to tri- automatically trigger an email off of that, I think that uh, is going to be uh, a growing trend as well. And then again, going back to the, the publisher perspective, I really see this sort of convergence of ad tech and martech happening specifically within publishers where, you know, the operations teams are, are talking more now to the marketing side of the house and I think, you know, as, as that happens, you're going to start to see the revenue side and the marketing side work closer together at publishers to really start to, to figure this out. Do they need to sit side by side in order to make that happen? Or how do you see that convergence better happening, given that you've worked in, in the publisher side as well in the past? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's what's interesting is um, uh, I think that they I think that the teams will start to sit, have to sit side by side in order to make it happen. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, um, but I can tell you that I've personally been in a handful of conversations at major publishers over the last uh, quarter uh, where, you know, the, the focus is on sort of taking the, let's just call it the horsepower of ad tech and marrying it with the brains and the data of ad tech, of MarTech, uh, excuse me, of MarTech uh, to help grow subscribers and understand uh, the uh, you know your your users better outsourcing versus insourcing like in house. What do you see that do you see any shift more towards in house or outsourcing? What, what do you see the shift happening in the future? Oh yeah, definitely yeah, definitely in house. And I and I think that that aligns with the theme of publishers wanting to take back more control. I think having uh, sort of the 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 knowledge and the core competency of of advertising and marketing. Uh, and understanding your audience in-house, I think is going to be key for publishers. So I definitely see the trend of being something that's in-house, not not outsourced. How about in terms of developing their own their own tech? Um, is it more in terms of the size of the publisher? Does that is that a factor of building your own tech to manage your own destiny and and, and manage the whole process or? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think from a from a people perspective, in terms of uh, sort of heading up and running the business and the strategy, I think that'll be in-house. But from a uh, MarTech perspective, I think that uh, publishers will continue to look for their partners to develop uh, the technologies and the solutions that they need to to help them accomplish their, their goals. Got it. Um, and how about those integrations with other tangent Martech providers. How do you think you can work with other providers that offer complementary solutions to help provide a more unified attribution? How do you think other Martechs in the publishing space can work better work together to achieve that? Yeah. So, you know, from a from a live intent perspective, and we tell our our publishers this all the time, right? Because they do ask us how we're different than 
uh, email service providers and others, right? And and you know our our stance is, you know, if you if you have an ESP that you're working with, if you have an email personalization tool that you're working with, continue to work with them. We're not trying to displace uh, any of of those folks. We do we feel we do something unique uh, that's that's in the inbox and helping you uh, acquire, retain, and monetize your audience and. You know, we want to continue to work with you from a publisher perspective, but also, you know, if it if it makes sense for us to partner up with other uh, tech providers that you're working with, we can we're certainly open to that. I'll give you a, a great example on the monetization side of things. Right. So we have our own sales team here that uh, goes out and, and brings in demand uh, to the platform, working with marketers in the space. But at the same time, we are integrated with all the major DSPs uh, in the marketplace as well, too. So uh, and at the end of the day, our publishers benefit from that. They benefit from us having our sales team, but they also benefit from us working with uh, DSPs uh, and programmatic buyers uh, as well, too. So we are we are totally open to that. That's that's I think that's absolutely key, having that open ecosystem. Otherwise, it's just trying to get a smaller piece of the pie, which isn't helpful for any of the MarTech players out there. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Corel, just to, just to um, go back to Live Intent and the future plans with Live Intent, I noticed that you guys are going to be launching an onboarding service, so congratulations on doing that. Is there is there anything that we should know about that and any other things around Live Intent just to close things close things off? Yeah, so um, you know, from an onboarding uh, business perspective, we will certainly um, have more uh, news and specifics about that over the coming weeks. But I think you know the the onboarding business uh, will be an extension of what you know we currently do for our customers, right? In terms of being able to help them uh, better understand who their audience is, being able to help them uh, acquire more users and grow and, and being able to do that by leveraging, again, uh, what we feel is, is the most uh, sort of powerful tool or currency on the, on the internet, which is, which is email. Absolutely, no problem. Thanks so much for joining us, Karel. Thank you for having me, really appreciate it and uh, enjoyed the conversation. Awesome, thank you again. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing Podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time.